0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game.
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hello and happy Friday. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station matt miguez here you are somewhere but i hope you're doing well producer extraordinaire co-host with the most james mesh so yesterday jamesy was on cloud two today you're up to cloud four yeah how how you feeling bud
2: like i'm you're, on cloud four like <laughs> you're on cloud four i yeah. mean that's fair your Celtics getting a big win last night. I don't want to get too excited about it, though. Still, three more.
1: I mean, I'm going to need you to get too excited. I'm going to need you to get three, excited about Three it. more. Because we, we, cause we seven, don't have to talk well, about it. If
2: we're getting technical, that's not right. Seven more. Wow, you're already talking about a championship. Settle down, bro. One uh, series at a time. I've been, I'm, <laughs> one three, series at a time. Three more this series, seven overall. Settle down, bro. And I'm not saying it's it's over now. I'm just saying.
1: Take it take like, it one game, one game at a time. One game at a time. Don't be looking at that championship yet. Yeah, you're not even in the
2: finals. I haven't seen it. Settle down. I haven't seen it. Settle down.
1: Got a great show for you today. NBA playoffs recap and preview. We got a lot of softball to get into. Cajuns, Tigers, Cowgirls. Man, what a game from McNeese. 11-1 Mercy Rule of Notre Dame in Game 1 of the Northwestern Regional. Insane. Cajuns falling to Auburn 4-3 today in the Clemson Regional. They will fall to the losers bracket. We'll dive into softball with Justin McLeod. He is the National College Softball Editor for Extra Inning Softball. He will join us to look at each regional that the Cajuns, Tigers, and Cowgirls respectively are in. We'll also talk some college baseball. Cajuns, lack of a better word, they laid an egg last night. Uh, two to nothing falling to Little Rock. Meanwhile, the Tigers, it was a offensive onslaught in, in that one. 13 to two, they took down the Vandy boys. We'll, uh, we'll get into that as well. PGA championship. We'll even talk some horse racing the preakness is tomorrow my money's on epicenter we'll see what happens you know epicenter was the favorite to win the kentucky derby and then the one horse that nobody saw coming won the damn thing and now that horse isn't even running in the preakness make it make sense that that's so that's so upsetting because you watch whoever wins the kentucky derby right and all you want out of the person that wins the Kentucky Derby is like, all right, you know, let's go win the Triple Crown now. And now that's voided. Can't even happen. Makes me sad. All right, James. What do you what do you want to dive into first? What's just itching on your head? We got to talk about it right now.
2: I'll make my pick for the Preakness.
1: Hey, go ahead. Make your pick. Is, is, is it... Is it Whatever, <laughs> long stocking. <laughs> yeah.
2: Skippy long stocking. Skippy long stocking. Yeah. 20, what a, what 20 to 1 odds.
1: 20 to 1, that's not bad.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's Okay. That's so looking at CBS Sports' uh, odds. Oh, Epicenters. Oh, don't do that. Boy. Don't do that. P- people
1: don't like when we look at CBS Sports. Remember?
2: I don't care. No, I don't care. Go ahead. Continue. I don't care. Continue. Uh, odds are 6 to 5 for Epicenter. Mm-hmm. So. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, early voting has seven, seven to two. two. Those are pretty good. Uh, Secret Oath nine, to, nine two. to two. Yeah. Which Jordy's was epicenter and then Secret Oath, so pretty pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, simplification Kay. is six to
1: one. Now keep an eye on Simplification because coming down the back stretch of the Kentucky Derby, Simplification was in
2: the front. They ran well at the Derby. Well, what, was, what was the final results for that one? Where, um, where, did, where did simplification land? Let's see.
3: Let's see.
1: You caught me off guard. I didn't have the Kentucky Derby results pulled up.
2: I mean, I wouldn't expect you to, but looking at it, after simplification, it starts getting to the double digits. Simplification finished fourth at the fourth? Kentucky Derby. Okay. I mean, that's not bad. Six to one makes about sense. That's But a uh, creative minister, I don't know why this minister is so creative. But I would love to know. they are ten to one odds. They did not run in the Kentucky Derby, so so is this the new? Is that the new Rich Strike? Is this is this the Rich Strike that we need to like make note of? Do Arm- I need to put five dollars on <laughs> on Creative Minister? How do you how do you say this next one? Armanac?
1: Armagnac,
2: Armagnac, or Armagnac. Or Armagnac. Or Magnic? I don't know. Okay. Hey, maybe, the, maybe the G is silent. 12 to 1? Armanac? I don't
1: know. I don't know. I'm going with Happy Jack. Happy so Jack. So e- e- Epicenter's the obvious pick, right? But if I had to pick a long shot, I'm going with Happy Jack.
2: But if I, I had don't. to throw $5 on somebody. I'd, I'd
1: like to know why Jack is so happy. I mean, his odds are 30 to 1. That's not great.
2: Why is Wick so thin?
1: Okay, stretching, stretching <laughs> 15, a little bit there. Fifty to one buddy. odds, yeah. Stretching there just a little bit. That's, Six that's to the five point. odds. That's insane. So how does that work? You bet a dollar.
2: You get like a dollar five cents back. Like what? <laughs> like how does, that, how does that? Do you do you
1: even get your dollar back?
2: I think well, you you get your dollar back since you would win. If epicenter wins, okay. So but then you, so you get you,
1: you walk away with five cents.
2: Yeah, you probably get like a, a nickel out of it. That, Hopefully, it's clean.
1: Oh man!
2: But fifty to one. I mean, a dollar makes you
1: fifty. That's that's pretty good. That's a solid Saturday. Hey, that's a solid Saturday. That'll pay for your top golf. Hey, it would, it would. Man, I'm excited to go play top golf tomorrow. I still haven't. I'm I'm gonna be working. Covering L S U tomorrow, but you know, I covering from afar because they're I mean, both on the road. I mean that's what I'm doing. So <laughs> I'm a I'ma go play some top golf, cover the game from my phone, be all good. Boss man, if you are listening, don't worry, it'll be all good. Got it taken care of. NBA playoffs, again, you know, we'll dive deeper into the Celtics game. I want to spend some time right now talking Mavs Warriors. On the surface, Luca is going to have to find a way to slow down the Splash Brothers. Can he do that?
2: That's kind of tough since he's not really known for playing not, defense. Right. <laughs> so, and not to mention the warriors won by 25 and they only shot mid 30s from the three point line yeah. and that that's their identity so i would expect them to go more 39 40% from three point range right which isn't which isn't great for the mavs yeah which the mavs i would expect them to do better than 11 for 48 that's, that's also that's true but i i still got to believe that the warriors are going to take this one since you got to remember i mean that chase center Warriors love playing there yeah it's do. it's tough
1: to beat them they love playing in the Bay they definitely do uh the Warriors currently a six and a half point favorite with a over under of 214.5. and a half
2: I'd take the over and I take the I'd, over. I'd, I'd take the Warriors at yeah. six and a half I I think they I think they could still win by 10 or 11 I think that's fair I think that's fair um some other news this one this one will be really quick uh Mike Vick Oh Lord, coming out of retirement. Oh Lord, I, the, I didn't. The, I didn't know if you were gonna bring that up or not. The how old is he? I think he's forty-seven. Forty-seven
1: or something like that. Yeah,
2: it's been a little minute since we've seen the old Vixter. But oh,
1: man, the Vixter—he
2: is coming out of retirement to play football. He's forty-one. We uh, <laughs> we we aged him a little bit, but still forty-one. Still pretty old. He is going to go play for the fan-controlled football league. He's going to go play with Johnny Menzel. Oh, my lord. He's going to go play with T.O. Oh, my lord. So, T.O.'s
1: 47. This whole idea of the fan-controlled league just really doesn't make a
2: whole lot of sense to me. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you don't have a lot of people probably, like, picking the plays. But it's like, how do you decide, like, oh, yeah, uh, Timmy's going to pick the out route. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. And and Johnny's going to pick the, the defensive coverage. Yeah.
1: And like yeah, do like, we pick like I don't get it. How how does do you, is it
2: like a voting thing? Like is this a real fan? Because if they're associated with a team, that's not a fan. Right. Is it like a,
1: <laughs> is it like a voting thing where like the most votes is what yeah, happens? Yeah, like whoever
2: like, like whichever route the the player gets like if T.O. gets like 90% uh go route, is he just going to run a go route or Like how does this work? And is there a penalty if he doesn't listen? Like <laughs> If he like runs how? the wrong route.
1: <laughs> there, there's so many questions about this new fan-controlled league. Another headline that I'm looking at is Jordan Spieth. So you and I were talking about Jordan Spieth a second ago. 2015 was a great year for him. He won the Masters and the U.S. Open. And then in 2017, he went on to win the Open Championship. The only major that he needs for a Grand Slam is the PGA Championship, which is currently in progress. Justin Thomas leads the field at 6-under, and then you've got Will Zalatoris and Pereira at 5-under. However, Jordan Speth is currently sitting at 2-over. James, I know you're not much of a golf guy, but you you That's you, an understatement. You, you get the premise. Yeah. If your leader's at six under mm-hmm. and you're at two over on Friday, Ooh. do you think he's he's got enough in the tank?
2: To make the to, cut?
1: To well, I mean, he's gonna make the cut. Jordan Spee's not gonna collapse. He'll if anything, he'll par every hole and stay at two over. Uh-huh. I mean, he, he's not he's gonna make the cut. But if he make if when he does make the cut, tomorrow he's gonna have to really charge up the leaderboard.
2: Oh yeah, you think he's got gas in the tank to do it? They they're gonna play eighteen holes, right? Correct. To make up a nine hole difference, or like to get eight holes? Yeah, eight. You'd have in, to get eight strokes back in eighteen holes. That's tough. You'd have to get eight strokes back, and the guy in the lead would have would to. have to not surge up as well. Yeah, would have to stay stagnant or Correct. fall back. Correct. So. I'd be shocked if Speeth even got four back. Because <laughs> you're asking for like a total collapse. You are. You're asking for a total collapse of a player. Yeah, I, you, I can't see really Speeth doing it at this point. If, if you're down this much and you only have one day to come back, I can't see it. Speeth just
1: parred the ninth to stay at two over. You're going to have to hit
2: like four hole-in-ones. And that's not going to happen. I was going to say it's hard enough to get That's one. That's not going to happen. Keeping an eye
1: keeping an eye on Tiger Woods as well cuz man, you know, we we talked about it earlier in the week. The groupings that they were able to put together for the PGA Championship has been unreal. I mean, yesterday and today, the three guys, so the way it works is you play in groups of 3. Three golfers per grouping. The last two days, it's been Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, and Tiger. Like what a pairing. Three of the best golfers in the world. Super team? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then the other, another group that you had, it was Scheffler, Morikawa, and Xander Shoffley. One, two, and three in the world. The top three golfers in the world, as it currently stands. I mean, that's just unreal to think about. People are definitely getting their money's worth in Tulsa, Oklahoma this weekend. Oh, yeah, no doubt. There's, there's no question about that. Uh, Tiger Woods just parred the ninth to stay at four
2: over. I did. I did look up the uh, Fan Control Football League on like, okay. how they pick plays. Yeah, it says the fans vote for plays in real time that coaches will then call on the field for games. So I guess the I guess they give them like four or five plays because it says the player rosters will also determined through the weekly draft by fans. In the preseason, fans will also vote for. Team bringing decisions such as name, logo, jersey design. So I'm guessing they'll give them like four options. Like, hey, do you want to run like Power O? Do you run a want to? Do you run a want to? Do you want to run a flood concept, or do you want to take like a deep shot? So then you just pick like one of the four, three or four plays.
4: Yeah, Which makes fair. sense.
2: That way you're you're not cr- like going crazy. That, that way you give them options instead of having them have full free range. Like, okay. Here are your options, Little Timmy. Right. Pick which pick which one's your favorite. What's your ice cream? Which favorite ice cream flavor? Which, what's your favorite flavor? Right, right. Man, that's such an interesting concept. It is interesting because fans all the time are like, "Oh, I, I, if I was doing it, I, I, it would be totally different. It We'd would, it would be totally fun." Right. So because everybody is is right, everybody is right. a football genius. Right.
1: Because that's the way it works in twenty twenty two. America let's take a timeout right here. when we return, we will give you our poll question of the day and we will talk some Cajuns baseball as well as McNeese baseball. you're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. <laughs>
0: Got something to say to Migaz and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Do you want to see the Houston
1: Astros in person? I'm gonna listen up. The Game 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros Weekend Getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Register to the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom to score four tickets, a ballpark tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on a Friday. It's the Friday fun show. A lot of fun to be had. However, the Cajuns, the baseball team, did not have fun last night. They fell 2-0 to the Trojans of Little Rock behind a master class from Hayden Arnold. The 2021 Sunbelt Pitcher of the Year goes a complete game, five-hit shutout while striking out. Twelve. James in nine innings. Listen to how f- efficient he was. In nine innings, he only threw hundred and five pitches.
2: Wow. Do the math. That's, that's eleven I was pitches. Say that's about an inning. eleven. Yeah. That's incredibly impressive. You get three strikes on one guy. You maybe go long with another guy, but then you get like a pop fly out in like the first or second pitch. He had one. <laughs> he
1: had one inning. He threw four pitches. Oh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's gross.
1: Yeah. Just he he was so good at getting ground balls and just easy outs. And there was a couple of times, look, I I'll, I'll be honest, the Cajuns didn't play poorly. I mean, they were making contact on balls. They got five base hits. They were making contact. They were getting runners on base. Just you know and you know Matt Deggs he he put it perfectly post game. He said, "You know, things just weren't stringing together and you know sometimes that that's the way it works you know that's that's baseball and uh here's coach Deggs talking about Hayden Arnold's performance
3: no he's a good one he can really pitch and he painted at night he hit every spot he was in sync with the umpire behind the dish from the word go and hit every single spot executed every pitch and, you know, fortunately for him, and he pitched a great game, right? Fortunately for him, when we did hit the ball hard, it was caught. And, guys. And uh, you know, sometimes that's the way baseball goes. You can't get too down about it. Uh, you just got to keep swinging. I thought we put together some good at-bats. Just couldn't string anything together against him. And some, some nights, man, you get got, and he got us.
1: Some nights you get got, and he got us. I mean, that's baseball, man. I mean, granted, should should the Cajuns have, the way their offense has been playing this year, should they have been able to probably string one together? Yeah. But, I mean, it's baseball. And that definitely didn't do the Cajuns any favors. Um, they are now sitting at 61 in the RPI ranking, which, considering that there's 64 teams that go into the Sunbelt Tournament... I mean, to the conference tournament, the NCAA tournament, I can't talk. And 32 of those teams are going to be auto-qualifiers. The odds aren't looking too hot for Louisiana right now. Um, basically, they've reached the point where they're going to have to win the Sunbelt Conference tournament if they want to fight in the postseason right now your highest ranked sunbelt team in the rpi is georgia southern at number 6 nationally they're making a regional regardless of what goes down hell they might host one to be honest um, i don't think i don't think that, that has been been ruled out yet but again going back to the cajuns game i thought the cajuns pitched pretty well uh, you had a good start by brandon tally four innings two hits no runs two ks Bo Bonds comes in, gives you an inning and two-thirds, two hits, one run, struck out three. Dylan Thoit gives you a solid inning, no hits, one strikeout. And then Jake Hammond came in the back half, two and a third, one hit, one run, one strikeout, one walk. Here is Coach Deggs on Cajuns pitching as a whole last night.
3: We were good. It gets gets magnified right if you're not scoring, but I think – You know, everybody here will sign up for two. (laughs) Pitched it, played good defense. Obviously, you want to hold them to one right there. It it brings our running game back into play. You know, it's two runs on the night. That's pretty dang good. And, you know, I'm betting on our offense any day of the week. Their guys just pitched it really, really well.
1: And then a little down the road in I-10 to Lake Charles. Where McNeese hosted their first round game of the Southland Conference tournament. They are the one seed in the tournament they were hosting the University of Incarnate Word. McNeese gets the win 12 to 6. McNeese getting one in the first, two in the third, one in the fourth, three in the fifth, two in the sixth, and then three more in the eighth. 12 runs came on 13 hits with two errors. Incarnate Word getting two runs in the third, one in the seventh, two in the eighth, one in the ninth. Their six runs came on 12 hits with three errors you got home runs from Cade Hunter and Cade Morris as well looking at the Cowboys yes they won their first round game of the Southland tournament and that's a big deal the storyline last night however is the fact that Justin Hill has now tied Tony Robichaud for the most wins in McNeese history and here is coach Justin Hill with his thoughts on tying the late, great Tony Rube show.
3: And I could not care about records in the same way that he did. I will have done a good
5: job. It hadn't set in yet. I knew it was attainable, but what a man to be associated. I'm very grateful to him and his family, the sacrifices they made to give me a chance to be the baseball coach. It's a great honor to be mentioned right alongside.
1: And then on on the other hand, Hill continued a little bit later saying, They didn't play a clean game of baseball last night. But as it stands right now at this point in the season, he doesn't think anybody's coming out clean.
5: You know, it was just good to get out to a good start. Grant Rogers gave us a, gave us a good start. It wasn't perfect or any of those kind of things. You know, we hope to try to get him out of the seventh with a, with the bigger lead. Didn't work out. It was a little ugly. We had to use too many guys. It, everybody's bleeding. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody that's going to come out of here, you know, clean. You know, and that's just kind of how it is. You do what you got to do, uh, and you find a way to, to to advance the next day. So um we'll enjoy this one. We'll wake up refreshed and uh, try to go win the one zero game tomorrow.
1: Once again, Cade Hunter and Cade Morris, as well, both hitting home runs in the contest last night for McNeese. They win it 12 to 6, and they will play host to the Colonels of Nichols tonight, again at Joe Miller Ballpark. First pitch scheduled for 6 o'clock. Poll question of the day on Facebook and Twitter. What are you most excited about for this weekend? Is it college softball with the regionals, college baseball, final season, final weekend of the regular season, NBA playoffs, the PGA championship? Are you a horse racing fan and you're excited about the preakness? You know, let us know. So far, looking at Twitter, 66% say baseball, softball, 17% say the NBA, and 17% say the PGA championship. We'll take a timeout right here. Actually, before we do that, as a reminder, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising. It's the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience. Score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids simply by registering in the Game Rewards Club. 1037TheGame.com or 1041TheGame.com. Saturday, June 4th, Park International. Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids, and you can be there. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. After this timeout, Justin McLeod, the college softball editor for Extra Innings, will join us. We're going to talk some Ball with regionals everywhere you look. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
0: Had a rough day at work. Got lady problems? Not to worry, cause you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time with guys, and Mesh on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's 34 minutes after 4 o'clock. The NCAA softball tournament kicked off today. The field of 64. There's three teams in the state battling for Oklahoma City. McNeese, Louisiana, and LSU. Justin McLeod, the National College softball editor for Extra Innings Softball, joins us to dissect all three regionals and the individual teams. Justin, good afternoon, my man. How are you?
5: I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. Let's start right here in Lafayette let's start with the Cajuns falling 4-3 to Auburn today behind a great performance from in in the circle from Maddie Penta I mean seven innings five hits three runs two earned struck out five you know just walk me through her performance
5: I actually thought it was a really well-pitched game on both sides Maddie Penta for Auburn Megan Shorman for Louisiana Um, i Going into the game, I felt like it was going to go one of two ways. It was either going to be a pitcher's battle or it was going to be a, you know, a 16 to 13 offensive battle. Um, Maddie Penta really was stellar in the circle. Um, she was, she, she even actually said in the post-game press conference, she didn't think it was her best game, but she was, she was really on. And she made pitches. And I didn't think the Cajuns actually performed badly. I just thought Penta just was really on in the circle. Um, at the same time, Megan Shorman for the Cajuns, I thought she actually was really on in the circle, too. As um, a matter of fact, we got done with the post-game press conference just a few minutes ago, and she said, and then Bree Ellis, the Auburn hitter who hit two home runs, had three RBIs in the game, she also said Shorman was making her pitches. The, the ones that Ellis even hit out, including one that went to dead center, was a well-located, it was, it was a well-done pitch. It just Ellis was seeing the ball well. Um, so I actually think, uh, I thought pitching-wise, it was really well done on both sides. I thought some offenses, offensive players on both sides got a hold of the ball here and there, and Auburn just scratched out one more than the Cajuns. I, it was one of the better games I've seen in the first round so far.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a great game, the 4-3 finish. Looking at the Cajuns a little bit more in depth, Jerry Glasgow wasn't with the team today as he cleared COVID protocols this morning. Uh, Sam Landry and Alexa Langliers were also... In protocol, there's there's swirlings that neither Landry or Langliers could be available all weekend. If if that's the case, if those two players aren't available for the Cajuns, how much of a blow do you think that is, and how do they respond?
5: It's a big blow if that's the case. Um, for, first and foremost, from a pitching perspective, you know you've got Megan Shorman, you've got Kendra Lamb, and then Sam Landry would be the third of that three headed monster, is how I like to refer to it. Who can all go in there and work together in the same game? Maybe somebody gets hot, runs most of the game themselves, and then somebody else on that staff on in relief. But that three-headed monster actually has turned into a position of some strength when it comes to the postseason because most teams don't have that many pitchers that can be reliable in the circle. So if you take Landry out of that equation, Shorman and Lamb are very good. Like I say, Shorman was very good today. But just that extra arm gone means Shorman Lamb or Carly Heath or someone else has to fill the time you otherwise would have. So it's a big hit in the circle. It's a it's a hit on offense too, no pun intended. Um, just because Langlers is such an offensive presence for the Cajuns this year, she's really emerged. And anytime you take a bat like that out of the lineup, it hurts. But then when your back is against the wall, it hurts a little more because that's when you need all hands on deck. You need every bat in the lineup that you can get all your hard hitters, et cetera. So it, it can be a big goal on both sides. I mean, how do they respond is an interesting thing because now that every game the Cajuns play, they're playing for their postseason lives. So at a certain point, you have to honestly just forget who you're missing and go with who you've got, whoever, you know, whoever's up next. Maybe that means that Carly Heath ends up having to pitch You know, when he wasn't expected to or something. Um, you know, but you just go with what you got to go with. Um, I think that's the best response the Cajuns can put together.
1: Yeah, the Cajuns will play UNC Wilmington tomorrow. Let's let's transition over to the other team that has played today, and that is the McNeese Cowgirls, the the champs out of the Southland. Mm-hmm. I mean, what more can can you say uh, about this game? I mean, it was it was ten to nothing in the first.
5: Yeah, I, I can't tell. You. I've been I've done this job I've covered college softball this is 11 seasons now I've never seen an NCAA tournament regional start off like that I mean like you say McNeese scored 10 runs top of the first 14 batters to the plate it was a half hour half inning before Notre Dame ever even picked up a bat um, McNeese starter Whitney Tate had to warm up in the middle of the top of the first just to stay warm from her pregame warm up I've never seen that um, it was an incredible performance honestly McNeese strung some things together and I mean, it was it was something. I, I I don't know that I've ever seen that. I don't even know how to quantify it. I mean, ten runs in an innings, impressive. Ten runs in the top of the first, with, off of two different pitchers, and a team like Notre Dame is unreal.
1: Yeah, and then you know you talked about Whitney Tate. She went the distance, only throwing fifty two pitches, and then here's the biggest kicker. She didn't strike anybody out.
5: Yeah, I I, I noticed that when I was um, keeping up with the game, and then when I was looking at it after the fact because. I don't know when I've seen that before <laughs> like, 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 Player throws a complete game, not even a single strikeout and, and I mean she limited Notre Dame to five hits at that like it they they really were never they scored one run, but they were never really ever close to coming close to getting close like it, it was a deep divide, and Tate kept McNeese in the game, did what she needed to do it was honestly, even without the strikeout, it was an impressive performance for her too
1: yeah, you know the the other thing that i'm I'm noticing that's kind of crazy is that. She didn't walk anybody either.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she she played the contact and it worked out really well.
1: Justin McLeod, the extra innings college softball editor joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, looking at this this northwestern regional with Northwestern Notre Dame and especially McNeese, where do you see McNeese going from here? Like how, how winnable is this regional for the Cowgirls?
5: So that's actually an interesting question because when coming coming into the weekend after the selection show last Sunday, I had the Evanston regional, the Northwestern regional pegged as the easiest regional for the hosting team. Not because I was giving McNeese any discredit, just because when I looked at at each thing and all that, I felt like, you know, that was just the case. Well, I don't think that's the case now. Um, I think McNeese showed from an offensive perspective, what they're made of. Um, Whitney Tate was not even the one of her teammates. Ashley Vallejo was the Southland conference pitcher of the year. She's still waiting in the wings, hasn't even thrown. So, I mean, it's a good setup for McNeese. It, it's, it's a, at this point, I'm going to actually call myself a liar and say it actually is a winnable regional for McNeese. After what they did to Notre Dame, who's not a bad team, Northwestern is a very veteran team, but so is Notre Dame. So some of the qualities that I really like in Northwestern are some of the qualities that didn't come through for Notre Dame. So I'm actually going to change, change based on today and say I think it is a winnable regional for McNeese at this point.
1: That, that's insane. Could you imagine a McNeese LSU Super Regional?
5: Oh, I can imagine it. It'd be crazy. That,
1: that would be absolutely unreal for this state.
5: It really would.
1: So, you know, looking at North, Northwestern and Oakland uh, have, uh, have yet to play or they might be in progress as we speak. They are. Bottom of the fourth, Northwestern leads 3-2. to two. You know, either way, whoever ends up winning that game, what's the what's the matchup looking like for McNeese?
5: So if if it's Northwestern, they're a very veteran team. Um veteran arm and Danielle Williams an all American in the circle. A lot of veteran bats. Um one thing about Northwestern's offense is that they're uh, they can rely on this player or that player or that player. It, it's not their offense is not tailored around one player. It it's tailored around five or six. It's a it, lineup depth that you don't see very often, and a lot of them are veterans. Um, if it's Oakland, Oakland's got a couple of players on offense who are real stars, and they've got one ace pitcher in Sidney Campbell who is a, a stud in the circle. Um, obviously, from a McNeese perspective, Oakland seems like an easier matchup. Um, Northwestern, you definitely would have to counter some things like that, that veteranship and then the arm of Williams, who, I mean, she stymies power five teams a lot
1: chatting with Justin McLeod, the National College softball editor for extra innings. And then, you know, to the same point, looking back at the Cajuns, what does their matchup with UNC Wilmington look like?
5: So Wilmington's a little bit of an upstart team this year out of the Colonial Athletic Association. Um, A team that's kind of never been able to put the pieces together until this year, came in with a whole new staff of coaches um, and, and some freshman talent. And they've looked really good. They have a pitcher who actually, um, and Emily Winstead, their coach describes her as a rattlesnake, a silent killer. And I thought that was really, you know, I really liked the analogy, but I thought it was fitting too because Winstead's not just the overpowering. You look at her on film, oh, how, oh, how are we going to beat her? She's just overpowering. Her, but she gets the job done. Um, it's an interesting matchup for the Cajuns. I mean, I think they should definitely be the solid favorites in the game. Um, but they won't just be a walk in the park either. Women can have some talent on their roster.
1: All right, let's go, let's go to the Tempe Regional. Let's talk Tigers. Um, you know, th- this was an unfortunate draw for LSU because there is talent galore in yeah. in this regional. You know, Arizona State, San Diego State's a great team. Even Cal State Fullerton has come around as a as a pretty good softball program. Give me give me a general overview of this regional.
5: I think it's one of the more stacked regionals anywhere. And I think ESPN agrees because they actually sent their number one broadcast crew out, out to Tempe for that region. I think that kind of underscores how stacked it is. I mean, it, it's rare that you have a four seed who's that, that close. Usually a one and a four seed matchup is a deep divide. The, the one is heavily favored. Well, in this one, it's not. In the two, three, it's not. Any team that takes on any team in that region, it's going to be a pretty close to 50-50 in terms of the money line, so to speak. And I think that's just something – it happens in, in the tournament. There's always going to be a couple of stacked regionals. You've got a hosting Arizona State that's a really solid offense, hits a lot of home runs out there in the desert. Um, well, they hit home runs everywhere that just happen to be in the desert. Um, you've got LSU. Um, you know, you've know, got a couple of arms in the circle that are really solid. You've got some hitters that when they're on can crush with anybody. You go to a San Diego State team who's got a stud of an arm in Maggie Ballant, used to be at Oregon, transferred to SCSU. She actually, between red shirting and the COVID year, she will turn 25 in about five months. Jesus. You don't see that with college athletes, oh, right. softball players very often, but that age and experience really comes in handy for her, and she has turned into a really reliable arm for SCSU, and she keeps them in any game they're in. Um, And then you get a Cal State Fullerton club that's a perennial tournament team, a lot of postseason experience, even with some of their younger guns. I mean, it it really is one of the more stacked regionals. I would argue it's one of the two most stacked regionals anywhere this weekend.
1: Chatting with Justin McLeod of Extra Inning Softball. You know, Justin, just looking at, at the landscape as a whole, you know, Florida, Alabama, obviously Oklahoma, who are some teams, you know, nationally that you're looking at as you know they could be some serious favorites to head to Oklahoma City
5: so right now Oklahoma is definitely the favorite they have a freshman pitcher in Jordy Ball who's a difference maker for them she's right now out with an injury if she's back in time for the World Series it's a game changer Oklahoma's the overwhelming favorites if she's still injured at that point it becomes a little more of a level playing field at that point, that's when I'll throw in a Florida State, a very scrappy team who just finds a way to get stuff done. I'll throw in even an Arkansas, you know, back-to-back SEC champions who just mash the ball like you like nobody else except maybe Oklahoma. Um, those are a couple that, if I, especially if if Jordy Ball for Oklahoma is still injured and that playing field gets a little more level, Florida State, Arkansas, are a couple of the teams that when I look at them, I say, okay, that's a team that could win the Natty.
1: Now I've got one more for you, Justin. Looking at You know, Louisiana LSU McNeese. Which prediction wise, or you know, just what you've seen so far? How far do you have any of them going at this point?
5: At this point in time, I I don't think any. I don't think any more than one of them really has a good shot to get to the World Series. Um, That that one for me would be LSU just because if they make it to a Super, they're going to take on either McNeese or Northwestern or whoever comes out of that regional. And if that's McNeese, I would favor LSU in that matchup, which would then send them to the World Series. Um, from the Cajun side, making it to a Super would match him up with likely Oklahoma State, which is a matchup I don't like to go in the Cajuns' favor. All that said, I don't know that I see any of the three making it out of a regional at this point. Um, LSU would probably be the one I'd put the odds on favorite, even with McNeese having the win already. But just looking at the grand scheme of things, I don't know that I see any of the three of them. It's not a a great forecast for softball fans in the state of Louisiana, Um, but I think all three of them are in interesting spots. Um, And so it could could be we have a couple. Could be three. Could be a couple playing next weekend, or honestly it could be none at all.
1: And now, you know, McNeese and Louisiana – both full of young talent. I mean, next year, look out for both of those programs, right?
5: Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. All all three, honestly, have some good young talent. But McNeese and UL certainly have talent that has, honestly, at times this year, almost overperformed. And I don't mean that in an insulting way, just overperformed in the sense of defied expectations to a certain extent. And that's what you want to see with programs that young. You want to see that young talent showing up and doing more than what they're expected. I think it sets them up great for the future.
1: Justin McLeod, the editor for Extra Inning Softball, focusing on college softball. Justin, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy this crazy weekend of regionals, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you soon, my friend.
5: Sounds perfect. I appreciate you as always.
1: We'll take a timeout right here. and When we return, wrap up hour number one and get you set up for the half an hour in hour number two. On the other side of this timeout, you're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
0: Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Hey,
1: Welcome back to Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, what are you most excited about this weekend?
2: I would have to go with the NBA playoffs again to see game three in Boston. Okay.
1: Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's... Game three in Boston, Saturday night, prime time. God, you threw me for a loop there. (laughs) Um. You know, can Jason Tatum keep doing what he's doing long enough for the Celtics to win a title? I mean, obviously, Jalen Brown, and and especially last night, you know, Marcus Smart really contributed well, but Jason Tatum's still got to be that dude. And can he be that dude enough for them to win a title?
2: I say, yeah. Uh, he can lead this team easy at this point, in my eyes. I feel like he he has surpassed Durant at this point.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, that Homer. Homer. <laughs> let's not go that far. That's that's a bit much. You think that it he's still it's still KD, and it's still JT. I mean, I'm with you. And maybe once the career is said and done, JT will pass KD. I'm but,
2: talking about as of right now. I'm not talking about as a whole career. I'm talking about players right now. I think Jason Tatum is better than Kevin Durant. Wrong answer, bud. You think <laughs> wrong answer? That's close. That's a that's a arguable
1: conversation. I think you're wrong. And I think I'm right. And and that's fine. That's why we live in America. That's why everybody's entitled to an opinion. Damn right.
2: And you're and it's it's okay that you're wrong, and I'm not going to attack you for it. However. I think I think at this point the Celtics have a legitimate shot at winning the finals. They still have to get through Miami and still win it convincingly, but I still think they have a good shot. Not only you're gonna have to get through Miami, but then you're gonna have to get through whoever comes out of Golden State and but right. that's the thing is Golden State, they've been good, but they've been they feel it feels like it's been very lackluster it's true. from there in. So it's like, are they gonna win but still like just look kind of pedestrian because you feel like they should take that next level. you feel like they should be only maybe one one and a half nods down from when they had KD. Because Jordan Poole has emerged. Obviously he's not as good as Kevin Durant when he was in Golden State. But the fact that you have another guy that can score and playmake and shoot. Right. That's true. You you feel like you have your third splash, bro, again, and it feels like they should be better than how they're playing right now. That's it feels true. like they're they're just kind of playing pickup. I don't I don't
1: disagree. Uh one one quick thing, which do which We'll actually, we'll save this for hour two because it, it's going to start a conversation. So uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in hour number two. Crunch time when we guys a mesh on the game. 103-7 Lafayette, 104-1 Lake Charles. Don't go anywhere. Once again, hour number two on the other side of this top of the hour sports update.
0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game.
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hour number two. Well, technically hour and a half. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Have you ever stolen somebody's phone and taken goofy pictures of yourself and, you know, that that other person's like, well, you know, that's aggravating, so I'm just going to delete it. But then you have the one creep that doesn't delete it and uses it as blackmail. Ladies and gentlemen, James Mesh.
2: Don't put your face in my camera roll. (laughs) Don't come at me sideways. Your words, not mine. they oh, right, they are.
1: Man, we, <laughs> we only got 30 minutes here before we take you to Nashville for LSU baseball. In our number one, we talked a lot of softball as McNeese took down Notre Dame 11-1 to today in five innings. Notre Dame, I mean Louisiana falling 4 to 3 to Auburn and then LSU will play San Diego State tonight at 7. We also talked some horse racing PGA Championship and a little bit of the NBA. Well James, it's it's now time for you to dive deeply into your Celtics 127 to 102 performance last night.
2: I mean, it's kind of hard to dive deep other than they were shooting from deep. <laughs> they, they, at 50% at, from three. Yeah. And they were nine of 11 in the first quarter from three. And they were shooting 61% from behind the arc at halftime. Not to mention the free, like the ball was just going in. Like there, there was no shot that it wasn't going in because the free throws until the fourth quarter when Grant Williams ruined it and then. I forget who else missed the free throw, but they went 21 of 23 from the free throw line. They started off 20 for 20. The team did. Yeah, as a team. Okay. As a team. And, I mean, it's it's just hard to stop that because... Morgan missed the other one. Yeah, Morgan. The one, Morgan. Yeah. The reason why he doesn't play. <laughs> but looking at it, I mean... You can say, oh, it's just them shooting hot because usually they're like 35%. Well, at the same time, they were all 80 to 90% of the shots that they took were open threes. So I would expect you to make those. The defense from Miami collapsed. Sometimes they had miscommunication. Sometimes they doubled when they didn't want to on people like Jason Tatum. So then quick dish Peyton Pritchard knocked down three wide open. I mean... As a team, Boston just figured it out. They played at their own pace. They didn't let Miami dictate them dictate how the flow went on the offensive side. You didn't see a lot of turnovers like you did in the third quarter or as a whole where you just got easy, fast break points, and that's how the avalanche started in game one. There, were, there weren't a lot of turnovers in the game for Miami to take advantage of. It was a complete turnaround, and... Marcus Smart and Al Horford played a big factor in it. So here's a question. You know, let's
1: talk about Duncan Robinson. I'm actually intrigued to talk about this. Because I'm looking at his his numbers, and he missed one, three games in the series against Phoenix. I mean, not Phoenix, Philadelphia. And then he missed game one against Boston. Mm-hmm. Played last night for 14 minutes and that was mainly in the second half. What if not all of it. Is he is he trying to play through an injury? Is he not playing like what's the
2: story with Duncan Robinson? Sometimes sometimes you don't play certain players because of a matchup. Sometimes yeah. you sometimes you don't put yeah, them in because you're true. like, okay, if I put them in, his his plus minus is going to be like minus 50. But at the same time, I was actually surprised they didn't start him or at least have him play more because He's he's kind of like their reliable guy for three. Yeah, I was about to say Duncan Robinson's one of their dudes. And if you're gonna play a team like Boston, who they're too good to not figure out how to get past your defense and kind of make changes and make adjustments. Right. You're gonna you're gonna need, and not to mention, they're all they're also the best team defensively. So if they're gonna make it tough for you to make threes, because look at what they did with Milwaukee. Milwaukee, they it was hard for them to make a three. They even had they even made sure Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton were out there a lot of the time, and still their shooting right, right. percentage from beyond the arc still was not that good. So the fact that at least at least they're doing it early on, they they put in Duncan toward the end of the game. But the thing is with Duncan, he was more attacking the basket than just doing catch and shoot from from a from a screen or just on yeah, a fast breaker He
1: was he was 0 for 4 from 3.
2: He was. He just had a bad shooting night, but you did see the fact that he was willing to take it to the hoop himself. Which to me, that will, I think that'll be a big change and you I feel like you if he doesn't start game 3, I think you see him play more 25 30 minutes. Well, here here's the difference maker. Max Struess only scored 6 points. Yeah, Struce, he just didn't have a good game. Bam overall. only scored six points. Bam wasn't, Bam wasn't very. I don't know how to put this because he did get a few boards, but overall you just didn't see him attack.
1: You had you had three starters for Miami combined for seventeen.
2: Yeah, Stroos not great. Six, Bam six, PJ. But you're you don't expect PJ to put in five, or you you expect him to put about. Five to seven point you're not expecting him to score. You expect him to do more of the dirty work. Yeah, I mean that's fine. But and you do you do need to expect more out of Bam because six points on three of not, six shooting? That's not gonna get it done. No. And and he shot one free throw, and it is a miss off right. of
1: and one. And then you had Tatum with twenty seven, you had Smart and Brown with twenty four each, Grant Williams with nineteen. Do Grant Williams has been insane for this team this year. Mhm. This is he's he, finally learned
2: how to shoot a three.
1: So even when when he got drafted, I knew he would do well in the NBA. Mhm. I thought it would take a couple of years.
2: This is only his third it's a year. It's his second year. Oh, this is second. He was a rookie right? Uh yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, no, 2019 2019. Okay, so this, so it's this his is his third, third year. year. Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Um but even so, but his like,
2: his shots developed like how Lonzo be, has the last two. To years. be
1: contributing this much this quickly has, has surprised me. I mean, nineteen points, four rebounds. He was five of seven from the field, two of two from three, seven of eight from the free throw line. He had a plus minus of plus thirty seven. The only player to have a better plus minus for the Celtics was Peyton Pritchard at plus thirty
2: nine. Which shocked me because it's it's not like he was out there like locking down people.
1: No but he had two boards, two assist, a steal, 10 points.
2: Yeah, and and he shot 50% he, from the he field. filled
1: up he filled up the stat sheet.
2: Yeah, he he he, he put in work a little bit everywhere. But um, what what going back to Grant. So I always knew Grant was good. You just needed him to do more offensively. Right. Because what Celtics fans saw in a lot of like Celtics Twitter and people in like YouTube comments were saying like Just trade Grant like he's not good. Like he he can't do anything on offense. But look at his value on the defensive side. How many people can slow down somebody like Giannis? There aren't that many. Right. And the fact – and defense – for a defensive team, you want to have as many defenders as you can so you can keep that identity. His defense and the fact that he is able to guard and not necessarily nullify – but able to slow down someone like Giannis, right? It's
1: a it's a difference maker. It's
2: it, it's invaluable. Yep. You can't trade someone like that. Yeah, no. I mean, he he's becoming a centerpiece for this team, no doubt. I mean, you you look at it right now. There's he is going to take over Al Horford's role and be a starter, right? Because Al turns thirty six. Uh, Al's Al's, Al's, Al's in, in on the back weeks, end. yeah. Like the fact that he still got this much juice is crazy to me. Like whenever he put up thirty against Milwaukee, and I think it was Game Three. Right. So, to me, Grant Grant's huge, and I feel like people are finally starting to realize it because you don't see it on the stat sheets sometimes. But if you're gonna if you're watching the game, you see what he what he brings to the table. And then you know to recap our
1: conversation from earlier last night. T- I mean tonight's game. Golden State, Dallas.
2: You got Golden State winning. I, I have Golden State winning. It's, I think Luca and the team as a whole. I believe they'll do better. They'll they'll start to figure it out a little more. But it's hard for me to believe that Golden State is going to keep playing this badly because they had the the thirty nine point loss to Memphis in Game Five. They beat them in game six, but it still wasn't impressive, And they won by 25, but it's against the Mavericks game one, but it still wasn't, it didn't feel like Golden State basketball. Like, it didn't feel like it was raining threes from the heavens. So you got to expect at some point that they actually turn it up. And I got to believe within these next couple of games, hopefully tonight, that they like start to figure it out and like go 43 44% instead of, of this 29 30 32% from behind the arc.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I've got Golden State winning pretty handedly tonight. I think Dallas goes back to Dallas and makes it a series?
2: Yeah, I think they'll, they'll get at least one. They'll but even maybe even 2-2 two, two and tie it up. Right. But for me to believe I mean, Luca's just got to have a superhero game. That's why I see, I see it going
1: 7. Cuz you you know what I see playing out? Every Everybody win. The home team, team's going to win. Yeah. And Golden State's going to win it in seven. Yeah. That, that's what I see happening. Uh, quick update before we head to time out on the PGA championship. Man, how about Will Zalatoris? So let me fill you in on this kid. He played here at the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open last year. Okay. Finished off the Corn Ferry Tour, earned his PGA Tour card, finished second last year at the Masters. Had another great showing at Augusta this year. And then so far today, he's 4-under today, 8-under for the tournament through 14. He has the outright lead at 8-under. Justin Thomas at 6-under. Roy McIlroy at 4-under. Tiger Woods at 4-over. He's hugging that cut line. Uh, Right now the cut line's at 4-over. And so he's, you know, right there on the brink. Jordan Spieth still sitting at two over, even for the day. Tiger Woods even for the day as well. It's gonna be a fun weekend in Tulsa, because you know tomorrow, tomorrow the wind's supposed to pick up. Today it's only at five miles an hour, but they're talking fifteen to twenty miles an hour for tomorrow, and so that could uh that can make some things interesting, especially in round three of a, a PGA major. So we'll keep an eye on that throughout the weekend and obviously recap it on Monday's edition. We'll take one more time out, and when we return, we'll get you set up for Tigers baseball and Cajuns baseball. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 20th, 1983, American heavyweight boxer Larry Holmes beats countryman Tim Witherspoon by a split decision to retain his WBC championship in a bout held at the Dunes Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The LSU
1: Tigers will look to make it two in a row in Nashville tonight against the Vandy Boys. First pitch is set for six, and you can listen to all the exciting action right here on the game. The Astros, meanwhile, will look to do the same against the Texas Rangers. First pitch is scheduled for 7-10, and you can hear that one on our sister station, News Talk 98.5. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. James... Vandy and LSU last night. You covered this game. Wow. They wouldn't stop. <laughs> I mean, I know LSU's offense is, is solid, right?
2: Yeah, they, they they know how to hit a ball.
1: One, two, three, four, five home runs by the Tigers. Two of them from K-Doty. I mean... And then this is this is the other thing that I want to touch on that, that just shows how crazy the second inning was. Okay. So it starts off with the Jordan Thompson leadoff homer.
2: Yeah, it was I think it was a two o count. Yeah, it was. It was. And then
1: you get a RBI single from Collier Cranford. And then you get that three run home run from Cruz. Mm hmm. Cruz missile.
2: Correct. I think Jordan Thompson comes back to the plate. Yeah, that that's what got me was he was the one who scored off the uh, RBI. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back around. Like they made it through the whole lineup. Yeah, he hit, he hit the lead
1: off homer in the second inning and then came back around and hit an RBI single to score Jacob Barry. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, LSU's offense was on the field so long that Jordan Thompson went to the plate twice. And got two RBIs in the inning. Let that sink in for a second. That is insane. And then K. Doty gets a home run in the fourth, and then another in the ninth. Dylan Cruz, the RBI single, I mean, didn't really seal the deal. the The deal was sealed when it was nine nothing in the fourth. I mean, and you know, the, it's it's interesting because. You look at Vanderbilt, they're not having the year that they normally have. They're they I don't want to say that they're, they're down. I mean 35 and 17, they're 14 and 14 in the SEC now. But if you if you look at it, you know, people Vanderbilt was starting to inch back into the conversation of hosting a regional. And then LSU does this to them at home. And I mean, could you imagine if LSU squares up and does it again tonight? Granted, it helps that you got another great outing out of Mikael Hilliard. Five and a third, eight hits, only two runs, struck out four, and then Eric Razelman comes in, three and two-thirds, no hits, no runs, only walked one and struck out six. Dude, it has been a long time since I have seen somebody get a three and two-thirds inning save. The dude faced 12 batters, and got a save. Insane. I. It, like I said, it's been a very, very long time since I've seen numbers like that. And now LSU will look to do it again against Vandy. 6 o'clock first pitch, like I said, you can hear it right here on the game. Meanwhile, the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns will look to get back to winning ways when they take on Arkansas Little Rock at Russo Park tonight. James, I want to get your opinion on this. Where do you think the Cajuns are at mentally after last night, knowing that now your postseason chances hinge on you winning the Sun Belt Conference Tournament?
2: I think I think they're still confident. I don't – because if you listen to Deggs last night, he was saying, well, I mean, there's really no change to the approach, at, at least with this series, because – Yes, you lost, but going the rest of the way, I mean, like you still gotta be confident. Like you still gotta be offensive minded and still believe that you can go into any game and win it with your batting. Yeah, that that's true. But I mean
1: and and I know that the Cajuns were facing Hayden Arnold last night, who was the Sunbelt Conference pitcher of the year a year ago. But I mean Heath Hood strikes out twice, Connor Kemple strikes out twice. Warner and Rinconis strikes out twice. You get three from Carson Rockefort. I mean, that's just – that's a that's a struggle at, at the plate. And the Cajuns won't – they can't repeat that tonight or tomorrow if, if they want to have momentum heading into Montgomery this weekend. Let's go to the game hotline. T joins the show. T, what's going on, man? How are you? All right.
4: And y'all, buddy?
1: Doing well, man. How are you? What's going on?
4: I'm I'm great. It's Friday, man. Uh, You know, I I know one of the number one rules in radio is, you you know, if you're a caller, you never try to mock or or sound like, you know, a host of a radio show. So I won't do Kevin Foote. But why did LSU score 13 runs and got all them hits?
1: Oh, no. Are you a believer in Kevin Foote's philosophy? Yes! (laughs)
4: Yes! <laughs> so, so, okay, I'm going to tone it down. Okay, uh, my blood pressure is getting high like Kevin, so <laughs> anyway, no, I, I just, I know what Foot's saying, you know, but guess what? I hope I'm wrong so I can call Kevin in the morning and say, I don't believe in your theory anymore. Yeah,
1: you know, and Kevin and I have talked about this because he sits next to me in the press box at Cajuns games. He doesn't believe it so much for college. It's more of an Astros thing with him. But like oh, I'm probably more Astros of a fan. probably
2: more of a pros thing yeah. than anything else.
1: Yeah, it's more of an Astros thing, but I mean, it's true because you looked at you look at. I think there was a game in the Cajuns earlier this year. They scored thirteen runs on a Friday night, and then they could only scratch three the next day.
4: Well, he, I understand. So, well, we'll put uh, Kevin Steery to the test tonight. How's that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would love to see LSU score thirteen more runs.
4: I'd like twenty, but Oof. okay, we'll settle on thirteen. Right, right. Oh, I hope y'all guys have a good weekend, man.
1: Thanks, T. You as well, my man.
4: Okay, buddy. Talk to y'all later.
1: Bye. Speaking of 20 runs in a baseball game, did you see the final score of Tennessee-Mississippi State? No, I did not see All it. All right, so Tennessee Mississippi State, reigning national champ. They're having what Kevin Foote calls a medicine season. And boy, are they ever. 27-2. Last night, a college baseball game ended with the final score of 27 to 2. Now, here's where this gets interesting. Here's where it gets interesting. Poor Mississippi State, they got to line up and play them again today and tomorrow. 27 to 2. And, and, Mississippi State's the home team. Tennessee did that to them in their own building. I, I saw somebody tweet, well, uh, Tennessee's baseball team scores more than their football team. Yikes. Like we, we don't need to be firing those those football remarks in May. That's brutal.
2: Twenty-five hits,
1: twenty-five hits, twenty-seven
2: runs. They go three at the top of the first, five in the third, three in the fifth, another three in the sixth, Dude. and then and then, a, and then seven in the seventh. Just just because why not?
1: I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna go ahead and say it right now. I don't see anybody beating Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to win a national championship this year. And then on top of that, OK, you might catch Tennessee for a game, but think once you get to the College World Series finals, it's a best of three. I don't see anybody beating Tennessee twice. I mean, write it down. We could talk about it at the end of June when the college baseball season's over. I think Tennessee is going to be the national champion. Twenty-seven to three. No, 27-2. 27-2, I'm sorry. 13 runs in the last three innings. They said, ah, you know, 14-2 isn't enough. Let's just keep putting it on them. Lord. I want to take this opportunity to thank Justin McLeod for joining our show. Again, crazy weekend of softball as the NCAA regionals unfold. For James Mesh, the producer extraordinaire, I am Matt Miguez saying, be safe, be well... Give a big old hug to your mom and them. Have one hell of a weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. LSU Baseball is next.